You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 399 of the Battery Power Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Sunday afternoon here in mid-May. It's Mother's Day, and unfortunately for the mothers out there, the Braves did not have a great weekend, to say the least. I am joined on today's podcast by my friend, Scott Coleman. Scott, hello. How are you? I'm all right, Brad. Hope you're doing well, my friend. I really do try to not let regular season games bug me. (laughs) There's just too many of them over a 162-game season, plus playoffs plus spring training you're going to go crazy if you let one regular season game get to you but i'm going to be honest this weekend really sucked i mean that that was about as poorly as the braves have played and there's certainly plenty of things to dig into both on and off the field but yeah hopefully all the moms out there other than the braves are doing well the real mvps Uh, and yeah always good to do one of these with you my friend yeah, seconded. And uh, it was a frustrating weekend, to say the least. I, I should plug at the top of the podcast. Um, our our pals, Sean and Stephen, did an emergency podcast this week. Talk about Max Free, which we'll come back to in a second, as well as Daily Hammer from Sean, etc. So please subscribe to our podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Ratings and reviews appreciated. Tell your friends about the podcast. But the Braves are in the midst of their second four-game losing streak of the season. It was kind of the same format as the last time this happened. They lost the final game of the series, and then they actually got swept in similar fashion. Last time, it was to Houston. This time, to Toronto. And uh, we'll save the nuts and bolts of the sort of sweep loss for later on the podcast. But uh, I tweeted at the end of the game today that the Braves deserve to lose, which is something that I don't usually say either, to your point about regular season games. I am I try not to be a huge volume tweeter these days on baseball. There's just so much happening. Plus, you know, it's a, it's 162, one, one of 162, I should say. But uh, the Braves just kicked the ball all over the place today, and it was kind of a punctuation mark. Like they were winning in the ninth inning, yes, and maybe that was a little bit overstated, but they really felt like they probably were supposed to lose that game, and then they ended up doing it uh, sort of in a roundabout way. So we'll get to the results, but we do have to start, you know, at least for you and I, we've had a chance to discuss the the Max Freed and Kyle Wright of it all. Really, you know, the right thing happened, and we knew about it last week. When you and I talked last week on this podcast, Freed, there was that kind of cloud of uncertainty around his um, prognosis. And it could have been worse. We'll say that at the top to be a little bit positive, but it seems like um, this is a, lot, a lot of this was covered by by Sean and Steven as well. But it seems like it's going to be at least two months each per Mark Bowman on Max Freed and Kyle Wright. And it does seem at this point that Wright's actually behind Freed when it comes to who's going to be more likely to come back faster, even though Wright was out first. But you know, Wright, um, you know, notably was ha- having issues in the spring, was delayed, had the cortisone shot and all of that, and it was not great when he pitched this year. Freed was awesome, actually, to start the season, and then he had that ugly outing last Sunday, which we talked about at length, where he did not have, sorry, last Friday, I should say, where we talked about at length last Sunday, where he was not um, necessarily too upbeat about all of that. So 
it's been covered, but I want to know what you think about this because, you know, having two of your top three starting pitchers, uh, you know, charitably two of their top four, but certainly their best pitcher, and at least from a long-term standpoint in Max Freed, be out and write another key piece. Uh, not great on the whole, even before we dive into the results. Like just having those two guys out for a while is bad news. Yeah, it's not great. Um, yeah, I will say that the glass half full take in both Max and Brian Snitker said as much as well, structurally, Freed's elbow is fine, or at least it's fine right now. And that's the good thing. I mean, there was a world where he undergoes that MRI and you see a tear or something in the elbow ligament, and all of a sudden he's done for the rest of the year and then most of next season as well. So let's all hope and pray and close our eyes that Max will be okay. Sounds like for at least the next three or four weeks, he will do nothing And then the belief is that he will more or less then have to go through what is essentially a spring training, which is three or four or five rehab starts, side sessions, all of that. And when you're talking about a guy as talented as Freed, of course, the Braves are going to be careful. Yes, you want to get him back immediately. But if there's a world where if you're careful and cautious and give Max some extra time, We know that the Braves are going to be there at the end of the season and hopefully deep into the playoffs, and you're going to need Freed for sure. And with Wright, I mean, I'm pretty concerned, even as the the resident Kyle Wright, uh, leader of the fan club on this podcast, the fact that his shoulder bothered him in the spring, he never quite looked right in his handful of starts, and then the shoulder was bothering him again. Shoulder injuries for pitchers can be really tricky and Now he's going to go until at least the all-star break is kind of the vibe I took away that at the earliest, it will be the all-star break, if not later for Kyle. Now that's scary, especially for a guy who logged a ton of innings last year for the first time in his career. I think we just have to hope that he's able to get better with some rest and rehab, but it was not great news to begin the week. No, to say the least. I mean, it's much more important and impactful than even the losses this weekend, which is pretty self-explanatory, but, you know, Freed is a huge loss, but the right thing, you know, Freed's the bigger headliner because it just happened and Wright had already, had already kind of been out, but uh, the right one could be even scarier. And I, I echoed the tone of Sean and Steven from earlier in the week on the Mercy podcast. Like it was pretty downtrodden about Freed, um, but it could have been worse, like you said. And the fact that, you know, a lot of if you follow baseball on the whole, a lot of these forearm strains, flexor strains end up being elbow issues. And, you know, you hope that's not the case and they keep saying the right things and that's positive. We won't know for a while, but it's just kind of worth keeping in the back of your head that you know, a lot of times, not maybe not like a huge percentage, but certainly a significant percentage of these times where you get you kind of get a guy a month or two off. They come back and they do another examination. And he's got to have Tommy John or something like that. So hopefully that's not going to be the case. Um, they will be slow with him, like you said. They should be, you know, this is a team that um, fortunately had a, had a hot start and has this um, record of being very good and they have a really good roster. They don't have to press in the way that some teams might also on Freed's side, just candidly, he should want to be cautious too. Like this is a guy who's gonna be a free agent pretty soon. He's, he's not signed long-term. That's at least part of this as well. So uh, yeah, not great news. Again, if you want more on this topic, probably, you know, 30 minutes or so um, of Sean and Steven earlier in the week, but Nothing's really changed other than just the fact that uh, it's going to be a little while for both of these guys. And look, on on the more practical side, the Braves now have a rotation of Strider, Charlie Morton, Bryce Elder, who's been uh, very solid this year. But they have two spots, essentially, that are wide open. And they went with two bullpen games this week. They can't do that forever. They're going to have to start using some starters, whether it be Jared Schuster or Dylan Dodd or maybe Mike Soroka. 
Um, you know, we'll see as, as soon as Tuesday if they want to go with if they want to go with the starter. But uh, needless to say, this is a team that only a week ago, when you and I talked, was the World Series favorite in terms of betting and projections and all that stuff. Now you kind of throw this uh, this rotation out there, and yeah, it's not as bad as it might be because Strider's really good, and Morton's been pitching fine, and Elder's been pitching fine. But uh, having two genuine question marks in the rotation is not where you want to be in mid-May, especially when it might be, like you said, till the All-Star break or later to have these two questions. And you're just going to need something out of some of these guys to get through. It would be a heck of a time for one of these guys in AAA to come up to the majors and really establish himself and, and bring some stability, whether it's Dodd, Schuster, or Michael Soroka, who I think we're going to touch on here in a minute, a little more in depth. The Braves really could use one of those three to step up. And I don't think... They necessarily need to come up and be Cy Young candidates right out of the gate. It would be awesome if they were. But the fact is, Dodd and Schuster and potentially Soroka at some point making 40% of your starts, it doesn't bring a ton of encouragement, at least to me. Uh, Dodd was okay in his couple of starts earlier this year. You know, Schuster was like tiptoeing a, a minefield the entire time it felt like the command was not there. The stuff is not great. And with Soroka, who knows? I mean, I think the Braves are smartly bringing him along a little bit slowly as he comes back from this injury. But the fact is, you really only have three guys now in the rotation with Strider, Morton, and Elder, who you feel good about. And then the complete and total nightmare scenario is that one of those three also get hurt, right? If anything happens to one of those three, I don't care how good your team is no team is going to be able to withstand that kind of loss in the starting rotation. So let's all hope that everybody else stays healthy. Um, you know, hopefully Freed's elbow continues to improve. Uh, I, I don't know about you, Brad. I think there's a world where Freed comes back and he's fine and is back to his normal self. I, I'm not real optimistic on Kyle Wright, especially after what he's dealt with this spring. The fact that he is supposedly now behind Freed in the timeline. I mean, maybe there's a world where he's back in August and making contributions, but I, I don't want to say it's a lost season because it's only May 14th as of recording this, but it kind of feels like it's trending in that direction. And that's just a real bummer for a kid who had such a nice year last season. I think we're on the same page with those guys. You know, I, I think it's a little bit easier to kind of see the pathway back to being himself this year for Max um, because, you know, they haven't, they haven't said, and there's, no, there's been no indication of an elbow injury. Whereas with Wright, we know there's a shoulder issue. We know that was the case dating back to the spring when he had this, he had the late start. It didn't look, look like himself either. He wasn't pitching at this super high level and then had another kind of recurrence, however you want to say that. So I'm with you on that. Um, as for the other two spots, I mean, I know people are holding out hope for, for Michael Soroka being the guy of old. Maybe he can do that. They've been pretty careful with him, like you said. He did pitch on normal rest for the first time. This week, um, Dodd and Schuster both did not pitch great when they were good opportunities earlier in the year. Um, Dodd pitched today on Sunday with Gwinnett, so he's not an option for at least for Tuesday. I think uh, if you read between the lines of the uh, of the kind of beat guys, they were not necessarily guessing fully that it'd be Schuster on Tuesday, but that seems like the most likely scenario right now. I'm trying to make sure that we're recording this podcast kind of during post-game stuff today, so I'm making sure that no, that no one's been named. I think they'll probably wait, just to, if I had to guess. But I think the smart money's maybe on Schuster for Tuesday getting the first chance because they it could have been dotted, but he went today, so he can't pitch. And look, they have another TBD every five days. So that's the thing about this. It's like it's not just one spot to fill. 
it's two spots. And yeah, I'm sure they'll be comfortable doing the occasional bullpen game if they want to. And they, they do have an off day on Thursday if you want to be a little bit more creative. But um, this is a week where they had two off days and that allowed them to be pretty aggressive with the bullpen usage. You can't keep doing that. You, you don't have a lot of five game weeks to play around with. They're going to have to kind of pick a guy or two, maybe hopefully both of those guys and kind of just roll with them. And maybe it's Soroka eventually. But I think um, my, my guess is that it won't be him as the first guy up. Yeah, I think that's fair. And Mark Bowman of MLB.com had an article today, this being Sunday, about Soroka. And yes, he is clearly the best possible option. But the Braves, as we've kind of outlined, have been very careful with, with Mike. This was the first time he's pitched on regular rest, on four days of rest. They were giving him extra time early on in the season. And I think the hope is that eventually it becomes time for Soroka to come up and hopefully be somewhat close to the guy he was when he was so good before the injury. Um, you know, he's clearly still regaining himself on the mound. It's a guy who really hasn't pitched consecutively for almost three calendar years. There, there's just some things you have to work through when you've gone that long, let alone pitching at the highest level. But imagine if you didn't do anything in your life for three years and all of a sudden you're <laughs> doing it again and have to do it at a, at a world-class level so it's, it's just going to take some time. Thankfully, knock on wood, let's hope that Soroka's body continues to hold up. There have not been any reports of him feeling stiffness or soreness, which is a great sign. But yeah, Brad, it's, it's going to be a little rocky for the next month or two, hopefully not much longer than that. Um, and, and again, you know, Charlie Morton is 39 years old. He, he is not a young man at this point. The Braves have tried <laughs> to give him a little extra rest when they can. Bryce Elder has been awesome on a results basis. Uh, he's still giving up a lot of hard contact. Maybe at some point uh, the, the clock strikes midnight. Maybe it doesn't. Who knows? This time last year, I think we had some real caution about Kyle Wright, and Wright went on to have an awesome season. There's nothing to say that Elder can't do it. He's been really good so far. And then Strider has just been phenomenal. I mean, he's arguably been the best pitcher on a per-inning basis since he came up last year into the rotation but at the same time, you also have to think big picture. If you're the front office, you probably don't want Strider throwing 210 innings during the regular season. I don't think there's a world where you can start skipping Strider starts with two guys out of the rotation at this point. But you know the Braves are going to want to be careful with such a prized arm and talent like Strider. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster. Yep, and that's uh, why you can never have too much pitching. And we talked about it a lot in the spring, and it's definitely the case now. For those asking about like, you know, maybe not panic, but reactionary trades, I think it is so early. And that's something that I want to just make sure everybody understands. Like, it's very rare to have a trade of for a real piece this early in the calendar. So I think if you get into, you know, late June, July, and the Braves have these two black holes in the rotation, which, by the way, may not happen. They might get something out of these guys, out of the young guys. But if that happens then you might be able to see Alex react and, you know, invest and going to get somebody that's available. Probably won't be a, you know, let in the world on fire kind of name, but somebody that's more established, but in, in mid-May you kind of are what you are. I mean, most, most guys who are real starters are not available for any reasonable price at this point in the calendar. So put that on the back burner for now too. And we'll see what they can get out of the, uh, the trio of Dodd Schuster and Soroka. Uh, I have nothing else to add on the news front. I mean, we, we'll talk about the games in a second, but any, anything else jumping out to you other than the game action this week that you want to hit on? Because it was kind of dour all the way through beginning with the injuries and going into the games. 
Yeah, it, it was not the best week for the Atlanta Braves. I'll say that. <laughs> not so much. The good news, and I look, man, I'm frustrated. I'm sure fans everywhere are frustrated. Now, the silver lining of all of this is, despite this four-game losing streak and despite the second time they've lost four in a row early in the season, the NL East is not great, at least right now. It's been no. a slow start for everyone else. The Mets have really struggled. The Phillies are have been 500 or so the whole way. The Marlins have regressed some. The Nationals are just not a great talent team. So the good news is it's not like the Braves are in the American League East where you have like five very legitimate looking playoff contenders right now. Uh, so at the end of the day, the big picture, if you would have told me that in the middle of May, the Braves are going to have a five or six game lead over the rest of the division, I would have jumped up and down and clapped my hands and said, that's awesome. It just doesn't necessarily feel awesome right now based with how the last week or so has gone but big picture, the team is still in good shape. It's a long season. What what do they have? Another 110 games to go or something like that. So a ton of baseball to be played. And sure, if the team would have gotten off to a slower start, then I think there'd been like more of a legitimate reason to panic. But they got off to a really good start. This is still a really talented roster, despite the inconsistencies with the lineup and the bullpen at times. Yeah, I, I think you still take it, right? This is not the worst situation to be in. Yeah, to have, uh, you know, right now, as we're recording, they have a four and a half game lead on the Phillies who have won five in a row, but they're currently losing late in the game to Colorado. They probably will lose. Not definitely, they probably will lose. Then we back to five. And yeah, to be up five games in the middle of May is not the worst situation, even especially when you just lost four in a row. So not the worst place to be if you are the Braves. All right, after a quick break to hear from our sponsor, we'll come back and talk about the actual action from this week and then look ahead to what's to come next week. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Scott, let us dive in. We'll probably be a little bit more brief than usual on these games for Obvious reasons. It is Mother's Day and the, uh, the the vibes are not fantastic at this point. But the one victory of the week was on Tuesday, uh, several days ago now. They scored four, four runs in the first inning and never trailed against the Red Sox. Um, the guy you mentioned earlier, Charlie Morton, was nails in this game on Tuesday. And uh, there was a lot to like about that performance. It feels like it was a lifetime ago now, but uh, there was a victory to hold on to. Yeah, it was nice to get a win over the Red Sox on Tuesday. Little did we know it was going to be the only win of the shortened week. Uh, But once again, I mean, this offense is really, there's no real concerns with the offense, right? I know that they have struggled at times kind of weirdly in like bases loaded situations or 
someone had a great stat that even though uh, the likelihood of a leadoff double in an inning leading to offense is like 40%, 45% that they come around to score. The Braves have been really bad with leadoff doubles as well. So let's hope it's just one of those things. I, I haven't noticed a drastic change in approach or anything like that when there are runners on. And on Tuesday, it was clear again. I mean, there's obvious talent in this lineup. Um, Sean Murphy had three hits and four RBI. Matt Olson homered again. Matt Olson has truly become kind of a three true outcome guy. The walks are up, the home runs are up, and he's striking out at a pretty, um, not alarming rate, but a high rate. Overall, this lineup is really not my concern with the team at all. And, and then you mentioned Charlie Morton was really strong. feels like Morton has kind of gotten through those weird issues that were plaguing him last year. He's still not pitching at an elite level, but if he's going to be steady and not give up four home runs a night, which seemingly was the case last year, I think that will certainly play for Charlie. It will. And yeah, you, you can't bet on him being an ace, but he's done his job so far. The, the the peripherals, to be fair, have not been as good, kind of in a similar way to Bryce Elder, but they need what they can get from Charlie Morton. He's been just fine so far in the office, but kind of carrying them in that game on Tuesday. Uh, the second game, not so much against Boston. Uh, there was a highlight of Ronald Acuna hitting, hitting, hitting a baseball very, very far. Did you happen to see that majestic glass in real time? Because that was yeah. one to uh, withhold. That was, was so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, if, if there was any concern or question if Ronald Acuna Jr. was all the way back, I, I think it's pretty clear. Yeah, that was a a monster swing. Um, you know, it was it was a bullpen game. They were tied in the seventh inning. Uh, I guess we'll talk about A.J. Minter now. A.J. Minter was not good on Wednesday and then uh, was very bad again on Saturday. We'll just knock it out now. Uh, his ERA at this moment in time is 8.05 for the season. Not what you want for your number two reliever. Um, and this is a stat that I think came from one of the beat guys. So my apologies on who it was, but he has now walked or given up a hit to 24 of the past 51 batters faced almost half of the batters faced have reached against AJ Minter for the last few games and hilariously, his supporting numbers look totally fine. His FIP, his XFIP, they're all in the threes. His sackass numbers look totally fine, but his bad FIP is almost 400 right now. I, I don't, I, I have no, I, candidly, I'd love to have a take on this, Scott. I don't know. I can't really tell if AJ is broken or if it really has been just horrendous luck. It's probably both in some, on some respects, but it has been a weird season and it's been pretty bad. Yeah. You know, I tweeted over the weekend, it might be time to put AJ on the IL with a <laughs> faux injury and just kind of let him get a mental breather. I, I don't necessarily know if they can do that, like in a logistical sense, just because the rest of the bullpen and pitching staff is so taxed. Um, but I, I guess the encouraging thing is, and I'm, I'm really grasping at straws here, but the encouraging thing is you noted that AJ's underlying metrics are strong He's still, uh, there's not a drop in velocity. He's just not, the ball just isn't going where he wants the ball to go. You mentioned the, uh, I mean, if he's giving up a bunch of singles, that generally means that he's just run into a little bit of bad luck. If he was going out there and giving up two home runs every time, it's like, okay, clearly something is off here. Uh, but at the end of the day, he, he's not been good enough. And I think AJ would be the first one to tell you, I don't know. I mean, I don't think the answer is continuing to put him out there in one run games as Atlanta has done recently. Um, not that there are a million options in that bullpen that you feel awesome about at this point, but clearly uh, the Braves need AJ to figure something out. You know, he is, is very much the uh, 
uh, go-to number two option coming into the year. And even if Nick Anderson has been great and kind of filled in that role, you, know, you still have Rice Iglesias coming back from the injury. His last two appearances have not been great. Um, you know, guys like Colin McHugh has been a little shaky. I mean, there's really just for a bullpen that we felt so good about, uh, I felt pretty darn good about AJ Minter coming into the season. And clearly he is just in one of those stretches right now where nothing is going his way. Yeah. And it is a reminder not to do this whole thing that we always do, but you know, relief pitchers are volatile. And we try to say that to the point where I'm sure people get annoyed by it every single spring, but it really is true. Like you, you don't have the same kind of projectability on relievers that you have in other positions. And uh, that's been the case so far. And, and look, the numbers are not bad for the bullpen this year, which I think Braves fans are kind of rolling their eyes about right now, I'm sure, but it really just it has not been bad necessarily you're looking at like the actual numbers um compared to other bullpens and stuff like that for the season they're still better than average it's just that they are not dominant in the way that we thought they might be like for instance god i'm not sure if you look this up the braves right now coming into today anyway were number six in all of baseball in bullpen war at fangraphs they were also like in the top 10 in era like the the results have been not fantastic but they've been okay (laughs) it's just it feels worse than it is i guess yeah no, I mean, I, I mean, I would have taken the under on being ranked six. The yeah. under meaning I wouldn't have thought they were that strong. I mean, the numbers are the numbers. Now I'm I'm guessing those have gone in the wrong direction over the last couple of weeks because yes. there have been some some pretty high profile blowups. Um, but yeah, there's there's just not much you can do at this point in the season. I think you just have to hope you keep running these guys out there and they start to figure it out. Because, I mean, sure, in two months, you could probably add a couple of relievers at the deadline. But as you said before, with starting pitching, no one is making trades on in the middle of May. No, you got to wait and uh, just kind of hope that guys get better. And maybe they have AJ go to a fence mile stand or whatever to fix it. Or maybe he just fixes it. That's one of the other things that could happen as well. So anyway, that happened on Wednesday. And then Iglesias has been shaky, too. So he wasn't great on Wednesday. Give the walk off today. And uh, I don't worry just yet about him, but he has not been the totally dominant entity that he was last year and earlier this year as well. Um, so that's the cap on, on the two game mini series. Other than that, I guess we should at least know the Travis Arno is back. That's a positive. We'll try to find some positives on this podcast. Scott, yeah. T- TDA is back in the lineup. He looks fine. That's good to see. Yep. Yeah. Glad to have Travis back. I'm glad to hear that the Braves were very cautious with Travis. It has been a few years since he was dealing with a couple of concussions but nonetheless, that the brain injuries are not something to mess around with by any means. So good to have Travis back out there. Gives the Braves some flexibility. Puts Sean Murphy in, in the position to not have to catch every single night, which I think will only be good for him long term. Uh, yeah, good to have Travis back. Seemed like he is no worse for wear despite that concussion about a month ago, uh, which was uh, not a surprise. But that that's a, that is a lengthy amount of time to miss for a concussion and it sounds like it was done for the right reasons yeah i mean they want to be careful with him as they definitely should be given his history and uh, he looks fine which is the uh, the good thing about that uh to the weekend briefly here friday was a very weird game all around uh strider was awesome as he has been almost all year i mean it is what it is like he looks fantastic I don't, i'm not even sure how much more we can say about Strider. Maybe you have more eloquence than I do about this, but uh, basically you can't ask for more from Strider. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Strider, good. Braves, not good. Yeah, Uh, That's probably my uh, Friday night recap. Uh, You know, the offense, man, Chris Bassett is not 
bad. He's not great. He, he he's pretty good. I will say he's not he's not a big name. He's he's pretty good. He's not incredible though. He he, he looked incredible. Right? He's not that good. Yeah. I mean, look, he almost threw a Maddox against the Braves. I mean, he threw nine shutout innings on. I think it was 103 pitches. The Braves had no offense all night. They had one real scoring opportunity. And then Eddie Rosario got thrown out trying to steal third. It's like, Eddie, what are you doing, man? Like the old baseball thing. If you can't make the first out at third, you also can't make the last out at third. And, oh, yeah, you also can't make the second out at third, which is what Eddie did on Friday. Uh, For as good as Strider was, it was a real bummer to lose that game. And we talked about the status of the the starting rotation right now. I don't want to say the Braves are in a must-win situation every time Spencer Strider takes the mound but they better win most of the damn time because if they aren't winning Strider's starts, that's where you're really going to start to feel the crunch of not having freed and right. Yeah. They, they need, uh, it's, it's unfair in some ways, but they, they need Strider to keep, to keep being this, which is a tall task, but he has been uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, maybe the best pitcher in baseball at this very moment, which is uh, wild to say, we're getting where we were a year ago, even maybe, you know, any, any time before that would be even crazier to say, but that's where we are. Um, they should have scored in the fifth inning at least to that game. Uh, that's that's something that was only a couple days ago now. But they uh, they loaded the bases with no outs, and that was, you know, what happened. Uh, Saturday, Bryce Elder did the job. He was not perfect, but he was fine. Gave him a chance to win, which I think Snicker echoed after the game as well. And uh, in the seventh inning, this is the inning where Minter got hit around a lot. But in the top half of the inning. They loaded the bases with no outs and failed to score with a force out, strikeout, fly out, fly out combination. And I kind of knew right then they were going to lose, to be honest. Uh, and then the wheels came off quickly after that. But um, I would argue that Saturday might have been more frustrating than Sunday in some ways. Not not in every way, but they could not get a, they could not get a hit with anyone on base or in scoring position. It was just one of those games in a lot of ways, even though it was not Bryce Elder's fault. No, you know Elder did a nice job. The Toronto lineup is deep. They have power. They have speed. I was impressed. Now, um, you know, the Braves were on some bad luck, too, in this series. Just we're going to talk about the horrendous defense here in a minute. But Toronto had a bunch of just blue pits to nowhere, a bunch of seeing eye ground balls. And while the Braves offense did not really show up outside of Sunday, the there were some well hit baseballs that just happened to find a glove from the Braves side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just. It's funny. You watch enough baseball or just sports in general, and you can just see things coming, right? Like you have a bases loaded, no runs scored opportunity or situation, and you can just tell, I believe the next inning Toronto scored, right? You could just see these things coming. For whatever reason, Atlanta seems to struggle with the bases loaded. Let's hope it's just one of those sequencing things or one of those funny early year baseball uh, similarities or, or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, yeah, that that was very frustrating. And again, you know, Elder has done everything the Braves have asked for in this first month. I know I got a tweet from someone saying we were being too hard on Bryce and I don't want it to sound like we're we're down on him. I mean, he's been great. He's been one of the best ERA guys in league. Um, And, you know, strikeout stuff has been impressive, better than what I was expecting. His his slider has been terrific. He works nicely with the fastball and slider combo. Uh, So, you know, we're, we're. very happy that Bryce Elder has done the job he has done. The real question with him is, can he do it for another four and a half months? I don't know. And if he can, the Braves are going to be in really good shape. And let's cer- certainly hope so, especially without those two guys at the top of the rotation. 
Yeah, uh, that's well said. I went back. I got the same uh, questions that you got about our talking about Bryce last week. And I went back and listened. I thought we were not as harsh as they made it seem like it was. And uh, it was one of those things where like part of what we're tasked to do, what we try to do is give you all some context and um, not just be rah-rah. And that's that's part of it too. But um, it's it's fair to note that like his supporting metrics are not as good as his overall performance, but he has been good. That is what matters in the end. And they have needed every single bit of it. I mean, especially we talked about it earlier about how they're in this period of uncertainty with the four and five spots, having Bryce elder, like we, it was, I think it's telling that you and I had that, that conversation without really any doubt about Bryce elder. Like a few months ago, Bryce elder was not a lot to be in a rotation, Like that was not a thing that was happening. And now he's pitched so well, and consistently to where like he is definitely the third. There's no question about that at the moment until free and right get back and him uh, giving them that kind of stability has been huge. And uh, even more so with the injuries that have gone on around him. Um, we should talk about Ozuna quickly because he hit another home run on Saturday. Um, we talked about it a little bit more last week too, but that was his fifth home run in 24, 24 bats. His OPS was like 1200 something in the first eight games of May. Um, Still below average on the season, but undeniably better lately. Um, I think the Braves are going to try to ride that. He's been playing more often, and that's probably the right move, given he's seen the ball the way he's been seeing it. I'm still skeptical, but certainly they've maybe found something. So um, that's kind of all I have on it. It's just one of those things where like, it's notable that he's been very important to the offense the last, I don't know, two weeks or so. And yeah. uh, you know, if that continues, that'd be very helpful. Yes, it would. And we, I think we mentioned this last week on the pod, but his at-bats look better too. Yeah. I mean, early on in the season, there were ones where, yeah, he stood in the box with his bat, but they were non-competitive. <laughs> I, I mean, he was watching strike one and two go down the middle and then flailing at an outside and away slider. And, you know, at-bat was over. He's looked better. I mean, he's laying off pitches out of the zone. He's shown some power, which is the kind of one thing he had last year was he did hit, I think it was 20 home runs. I forget the exact number. I mean, he he has the power still. That's obvious. It's just the on base and hitting for average. And he's done a nice job working the count too. His walk rates are up. Um, I'm I'm with you. I'm not necessarily ready to say that Marcel is back. But you keep riding the wave, and if he can give the Braves some power in the lower part of the order, uh, that, that's all the better. We we would love to see that. You know, the, really, the lineup for the early on in the year, the bottom half of the lineup was pretty bad. Ozzy Albies was not great. Eddie Rosario was on a slow start. Marcel was off to a bad start. Now, they weren't getting a ton other than Orlando Arcia after the big four at the top, we'll say. And that's, that hasn't been the case over the last few weeks. And that that's encouraging, right? That's another good sign because it kind of feels like to me, uh, obviously you have to score more runs than the other team to win the game. But as long as the pitching staff is not going to be at full capacity, the Braves are going to need to score some runs. The, the, it's hard to envision them winning a ton of games if the lineup goes into a prolonged slump. And if they have these guys in the bottom of the order who are, uh, producing ahead of the Acunas and Olsons and uh, Sean Murphy and hopefully Austin Riley gets going at some point. It, it, it's only going to help, right? Captain obvious, you need to score runs. <laughs> let's hope that th this is yeah. kind of a, uh, you know, a, a bright spot after two very forgettable years for Marcel. Yeah. And you mentioned Riley. We won't do the whole thing again, because you and I did this earlier and we got kind of yelled at for mentioning that Riley has not been the same since he, since August 1st of last year. Uh, and 
uh, I think two weeks after we had that conversation, that's now become maybe the number one talking point on Twitter the last few days. I'm sure you noticed this too. Yep. Uh, yep. You, you got screamed at a lot about this two weeks ago. We talked about it on the podcast. You got some negative comments about that too. And look, we're not saying he's 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 bad now. It's just kind of pointing out the numbers and what they have been, and that's been continuing. And he did have two hits today to get back to 100 100 WRC plus for the season, which is not where you want your your slugging third baseman to be, but maybe some signs of life there. But yeah, I mean, entering today, you know, he's been hovering around league average for about you know more than half a season at this point, which is something to keep an eye on. Also of note, uh, they changed the lineup today. Um, Ozzy hit third, grand against the lefty where he, as everyone knows, mashes left-handed pitching, but Riley's actually been good against lefties and they moved him down anyway. So that was notable to me. I don't know how much it matters that much, but uh, it was a data point, uh, at least for the first time in a while where Stitt's like, Hey, at least we're going to acknowledge that Austin's not quite been the same recently. Yeah, and I'm I'm all for giving Ozzy Albies board bats against left-handed pitching. He's you know, absurd, the only, man. <laughs> the only downside, yeah, I ran some numbers on Albies that I'll I'll do in a second. But you know, the downside of moving Albies up towards the top is that once the left-handed starter is out of the game, he's probably going to be facing right-handed pitching. Like any any manager who voluntarily has a left-handed reliever face Albies, like thank you, like genuinely yeah. thank you because. Um, I looked his numbers up since he debuted in 2016, the back end of 2016. Ozzy Albies leads all major league hitters, every single major league hitter in batting average against lefties with a 336 average. So he is a career 336 hitter against lefties, only hits 246 against righties. So you're talking about a 90 point difference in his batting average. And his OPS is almost even more dramatic. A 942 OPS against Aussie against Aussie Elvis, against left-handed pitching for 734 against righties. I mean, that's huge. That's a 208 point difference in OPS. Uh, so anytime there's a lefty starter, I'm cool with moving him up. I mean, I would maybe even argue you should move him ahead of Matt Olson. But then you you it's the trade of yes, you get a likelihood of more at bats early in the game. But if it's the ninth inning against a righty, I'm I'm obviously would prefer Olsen to, to Albies in that situation. But nonetheless, I mean Ozzy against lefties is a winning proposition and he homered again on Sunday. Yeah, he's a monster against lefties, always has been. He's been Mike Trout from that side of the plate for his entire career, which is crazy to say, but it really is true. Um, you know, the rest of Sunday. We won't go. I don't feel like going through the play by play necessarily about Sunday's game. Uh, I said it before, they deserve to lose this game. We we should stop at least though and talk about the defense. Uh, I will not share word for word Scott's note on our document that we use for the podcast because it's not suitable for work. But man, the defense, Scott, I will give it to you. But it was such a disaster in a way that this Braves team does not usually do that. And I listened to some on the radio today as well, they were baffled by it. I mean, it was high school defense. It was unbelievably bad. It really was, like, staggeringly so defensively. Yeah. I mean, high school outfielders at least know how to call for a baseball, right, <laughs> and catch a fly ball. And I know the roof was open, and it was maybe messing with the outfielders a little bit. But, I mean, this was pathetic. I mean, there were a couple of instances where there were three guys around the baseball, and nobody caught it. Kevin Pillar and Michael Harris collided in the outfield, for a, a routine fly ball that was dropped. And it was just awful. I mean, there was a, a ground ball that was hit at Riley that looked like it had a little bit of English on it, but Riley whiffed on it. Uh, Matt Olson dropped a pop fly. Where I'm sure he heard Ronald Acuna's footsteps behind him. 
that's like, guys, you got to figure it out. I mean, this was, this was middle school defense this weekend, especially on Sunday. It was just, I mean, overall, this was as bad of a weekend series as Atlanta has played in the regular season in a long time. Yeah. I mean, you know, they had three errors today that undersells it. If you didn't watch the game, I would encourage you to just kind of watch some of the plays that were not errors necessarily that were just horrible defensive plays, the collisions, the uh, pop lies, the drop between guys. It was the total package of disaster on defense today. And, um, you know, that didn't help McHugh who started this game. Uh, you know, the rest of the bullpen was okay until they got to Iglesias in the ninth, who was not very good. Um, and offensively, they did not not a great game, but they had home runs from Ronnie and Ozzy and Kevin Pilar. Uh, they did enough, and it just wasn't enough because the um, defense kind of let them down, and run prevention was not a strength in that game. Uh, let's get out of let's get out of this series as fast as possible, Scott. We've focused on this enough for today. I'll look ahead briefly to the weekend. Yeah, that's um, just for a housekeeping note. Yeah, the Braves have lost. Nine in a row to the Toronto Blue Jays. Nine, it's a, and nine they're good. in a row. Yeah. They're good, and, but they're not, they're not that good. <laughs> no, they're not. And some of those, I think three of those came at truest in 2021. So the uh, the glass half full take is now the Braves are guaranteed to win the World Series after getting swept by the Blue Jays again. Uh, but God help us, Brad, if late October rolls around and the Braves and the Blue Jays meet in the World Series. I don't know, man. That that's uh that would be a I guess a good problem to have. But for whatever reason, they just looked awful all weekend up there. They really did. And they they almost won today. Uh but I'm not sure that it would have deserved to win anyway. So there you go. Um coming up this week, they play three in Texas starting on Monday. And the Rangers are uh let's just say much better this year than they have been in the recent past. So that's not an easy matchup on the road in particular. We discussed the TBD on Tuesday already. Um, but Texas on the road is not a situation where you can take anything for granted. Um, they do have Morton Strider pitching in the series, which is always helpful before an off day on Thursday. But I think, uh, you know, you can't expect too, too much out of uh, out of that series. I think getting two and winning the series in Texas would be uh, a very, very nice result. Yeah, it would. And the Rangers are an improved ball club. Now, they don't have Jacob deGrom, who I believe is on the injured list right now, but they've pitched at a high level. The offense is solid across the board. Uh, Nate Eovaldi, who they're going to see on Tuesday, is has been fantastic, and it seems like whenever he's been healthy the last few years, he's been very, very good. That is, of course, going to be the game where the Braves likely go to Jared Schuster. So Tuesday might be a little rough, but let's hope that Charlie Morton can stop the bleeding on Monday night and then we talked about how you feel good regardless of opponent and who's on the mound opposing Strider on Wednesday. Um, but yeah, Rangers are an improved ball club. They spent a billion dollars, like literally a billion dollars the last two off seasons with Corey Seager and, and Marcus Simeon and uh, DeGrom and John Gray. I mean, they, they've dropped some real cash. So let's hope. Um, I think the Braves actually played in Texas last year too, and it did not go super well although that was early in the year when they were really struggling against everybody. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they do have the day off on Thursday. That's uh, better than not having one, not, not as, not, not as safe as having two, like they did this week to kind of navigate the pitching standpoint. Um, and Seattle comes in to Atlanta over the weekend. Um, Seattle has not been as good as we might've thought they would be so far this year, uh, but their offense has been bad. That's the reason why they haven't been so good. They're actually 500 right now, but their run prevention is elite. So that's going to be interesting. Maybe some lower scoring close games in that series. 
Friday, by the way, our uh, weekly PSA. Friday is an Apple TV Plus exclusive game. So if you are not on that train, that's one of those nights where you have to watch that game on Apple TV Plus. Um, I have nothing else to add. You know, Seattle, the, sorry, the Braves will be favored in those games, you would think. But it's not as if that's a walk in the park, despite Seattle being 20 and 20. That was a playoff team a year ago, for instance. Um, and nothing will be easy against them. It's just, this is a, honestly, both series this week are kind of similar. And like the Braves are the better team in both series, but um, they're playing against teams that can beat them, if that makes sense. Yeah. It feels to me, at least, inevitable that the Mariners start to figure it out. I really like that team. They, they have a lot of fun players. Julio Rodriguez. Uh, I know a lot of Braves fans on the East Coast may not see a ton of Julio just because of when his games uh, start on the West Coast. But Julio is a legitimate star, just a, a super talent like Ronald Acuna Jr. is. And, yeah, it should be a good series. You mentioned the Texas and the Mariners are both going to be there at the end of the year in playoff contention, I think. And really, this is just a tough stretch of schedule for Atlanta. And naturally, they lose two of their starters right in the middle of it. It's just kind of a cruel game in that way. But you have Texas, Seattle. Then the following week, you have the Dodgers come to Atlanta. Then you have four with the Phillies. So this has not been a super friendly part of the schedule. I would, without looking, guess it's probably as difficult of a schedule stretch as the Braves are going to have. Uh, Let's hope they just kind of shake off those very bad vibes from Toronto that was just an awful series. I mean, talk about a deflating <laughs> three base. Just, just the the absolute disdain in your voice right now is all coming uh, into here. I think um, that was yeah, bad, no, Brad. I'm it was it was bad. And depending on what you think about the Marlins, who I, they're not they're not good, but they've been playing decent baseball this year. If you were to include them, you can go back to you know mid April, and the Braves have been playing this incredibly stacked schedule. Um, going back, if you include the Marlins, it's it's Padres, Astros, Marlins, Mets, Marlins, Orioles, Red Sox, Blue Jays, then at the Rangers, Seattle, the Dodgers, and the Phillies. Like that's there yeah. are no breaks. I mean, the Marlins are the worst team in that bunch. Granted, I, I will grant that it's still a division team, and they've been fine this year. So there've been there've been no breaks, and there won't be any breaks until you get to until you get to Oakland at the end of May. Um, so yeah, it's it's not easy. At the same time, I think we are in agreement. This is a bad, bad, bad weekend of results. The Braves do not deserve to be, uh, you know, given the excuse of the schedule. They were playing a good team, yes, but they lost those games fair and square this weekend. And uh, if they can write the ship this week, it'd be, it'd be very nice to see. So, uh, you know, after I got a couple of pieces of feedback, I'm sure you maybe did too, of last week and like how positive you and I have been. I have a feeling that, that won't be the case this week, but that's yeah. okay. You guys, this is what happens. Last weekend, we were like singing on this podcast because the vibes were great. We didn't know much about Max Freed. You know, Braves had a great week last week. Offense was clicking. Bullpen had stabilized a bit. And then uh, you lose four in a row. Very frustrating. You know, and it's it reminded me, too, that during the 2022 season last year, the Braves did not lose three in a row, which is crazy. For a team that got off to that slow start, I don't believe they lost three in a row all year, um, except for, no, I don't think they lost three in a row at any point, or maybe it was four in a row. Regardless, uh, it's just kind of a, a bad stretch. Let's hope there's not more of these bad stretches. Uh, and, you know, they, they figure some things out in Texas. We will see. Um, I will say this at the end of the podcast for our, uh, our regular listeners, our subscribers. First of all, we thank you for listening and subscribing to the podcast. Um, Scott will be here for a while. 
Is, is that correct, Scott? I believe you have yeah. uh, some some travel plan. I saw you tweeting about this. I was making fun of you about it. You have kind of a world tour plan. So I have to find some fill-ins for the next few weeks because Scott, um, unfortunately, is not dedicated enough to record this podcast from overseas. I I do <laughs> not. Uh, I told you it's in my contract, Brad. You know You're my not contract doing it. Not, that not I have for this, for this yeah. podcast. Um, no, folks, I'm going to be gone for the next few weeks. Be nice to Brad. Hopefully I come back to a... A uh, much better week of results than I than I had this week, but have some travel overseas to Europe and then have a couple of weddings. So I'm going to be a tired man over the next month, but should be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, Brad, it's always fun to bring. Like I had a, I had a blast doing this with Chris Willis a couple weeks ago when you had some travel. Uh, it's nice to have other folks come on, and I'm sure you'll have some good guests lined up. Yeah, I'm looking uh, I'm looking forward to still doing the podcast, but I will miss you, my friend. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of the nature of the beast. Like this is not our, our full-time job by any stretch of the imagination. So things are going to happen and we're going to be gone and we'll fill in. And, uh, part of the beauty of that is that we have a full on network. Now, when we launched the podcast, it was just this, it was this, just this show for several years. And now it's really uh three shows in one with daily hammer. We have podcast name later. Um, I have some hope, hopeful guests to join me in place of Scott. I don't announce anyone just yet, just in case something ha- happens to change, but we'll have content. So please subscribe to the show. Uh, leave five-star ratings and reviews on Apple and Spotify, et cetera. Uh, Scott, where can the folks find you if they want to follow your travels through Europe? That's right. Yeah. My, uh, a big, uh, I'll do a foodie tour of Europe. How about that, Brad? Well, are, you, are you not, are you not going to lie tweet your trip? Cause I, that, I mean, you, you kind of lied tweeted when you went, was, was it Hawaii recently? You kind of had some tweets from Hawaii. I feel like I had a couple. Yeah. I had a couple. Um, <laughs> that we go to Hawaii, being on the West coast, getting to Hawaii is not like a big journey. You know, it's like a True. five and a half hour flight. But no, I'm I'm looking forward. I'm gonna try to get off the grid a bit. Looking forward to this trip. It's been pushed back a ways just because of COVID and the state of the world the last few years. But really looking forward to it. I'm not sure how much live tweeting I will do. Um, I'm gonna be in Amsterdam. I've heard the red light district is a good time. Maybe I'll get a. Can you go live on Twitter? I don't even know. Live play by play of walking through Amsterdam with my wife. How about that? That, that would be, be incredible. I'm sure your wife would love that if you decided to do that say, out of nowhere. I might come back single, but uh, but no, thanks uh, thanks to everybody. We're way off track. It's okay. Uh, thank, thank you, everybody. Be nice to Brad while I'm away. I'm at Scott Coleman 55. Check out the site. And let's hope better days on the horizon for Atlanta. Agree. Thank you, Scott, for being here. Um, like, like you said, check out batterypower.com for all the written content. Subscribe to this podcast. We'll see you all next time. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. 
it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.